You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Friends, I am so excited to be working with my friends at Clona Willy. They are an amazing, amazing company. They are do-it-yourself or dildo-it-yourself molding kit company where you can create your own mold of a penis or mold of a vulva so you can create your own sex toy at home. That's really, really cool, and I think it's really, really accessible for a lot of folks, too. They're, they, their materials are ethically sourced. They're really, really, really awesome. They're always there to help. I'm so excited about this company, and I love that I still get to work with them. So if you want to create your own pussy or penis mold at home so you can create your own sex toy, if you go if you go to clonawilly.com and use the code darkpod20 at checkout, you can get 20% off everything site-wide. They also have a penis pump for those of you that might be interested, which you can get at 20% off if you use the code darkpod20 right now at checkout. I really, really love this company, and I really, really love everything they're trying to do. So if you want to create your own do-it-yourself molding kit to create your own Pussy or penis mold, please go to clonawilly.com and use code darkpod20 at checkout. Thanks, friends. Bye. Content warning The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am your deliciously disabled daddy host, Andrew Gerza. I'm almost 40, so I feel like I'm really getting closer to that daddy age. But uh, thank you so much for being here. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the show started, shall we? Just a little belly update. I have been using that laxative twice a day for probably about almost a month and a half now. And I am so much better now. I don't have pain anymore or as frequently as I normally did. Uh, I feel really good. And that's really kind of scary because like I'm so used to feeling not good that this feels kind of weird. But I'm able to do things and able to have more energy and want to do cool stuff. So I'm really, really excited about that. And I just want to share with you, anybody living with bowel stuff, 
I didn't think it would get better, but I think there are days where it can get better. And I hope for you that it does get better because I feel good, which again is really scary for me right now, but I feel a lot better. And I'm so thankful for this one thing that made me feel better because I didn't think I would be able to feel better. So just wanted to share that little update with you that I am finally able to eat the foods that I want to eat. I had a burger the other day, which I could never do before without suffering. And I, and I felt okay, which was like, which was just so weird to feel okay. Because when you feel okay, you're worried about not feeling okay. When is the next time that I'm not going to feel okay? And I finally feel all right. So just wanted to update you there. And so, because I have more energy, I would love to have more guests on the show. There are some of you, I have some bad news, friends. There are some of you that have been, were on the show forever ago, and I had to delete some of those recordings that I hadn't released yet because my Zoom storage was getting too much, but I found another way to store them. I bought a hard drive to store them on. So I would love to re-interview you, re-interview some of you folks that were on the show that uh, that haven't heard their interviews yet. If you haven't heard your interview and you want to be a part of the show, please email me at andrewandandrewgerza.com and I would love to have you back on to re-record. And I'm so sorry that my technolo technological skills are not the greatest and I didn't have a ton of money to pay for Zoom cloud storage, but I fixed it now. So I would love to have you back on the show. Also, if you've been on the show and you heard your episode, and you've been on the show before in, in years past, I'd love to have you back on the show to, to, to share what you're up to, share how you're doing. I'd love to re-interview you as well. So please email me at andrewandandrewgerza.com with the heading Disability After Dark, and I would love to have you. But now, for real this time, on with the show today. On the show today, we're going to talk to my best friend, Kristen Williams. You've heard her on the show before. You've heard her ad for disability-centric therapy on the show before. But we're talking to her today about neglect and abuse in her care system as a disabled person. So, just a content warning. If you are uncomfortable listening to stories of disabled neglect and abuse, you can skip this one out or sit this one out or listen at a better time for you, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. Kristen shares with us her experience being disabled and being severely disabled and living with, she has a cockroach infestation in her home, and because of that, her care team that is funded by the government of Ontario, Canada to provide her care has been has been refusing to provide her care, leaving her in her bed, neglected, and unable to get out of bed without the help of somebody for a couple of days. She was lucky enough to... There is a care system in Ottawa called Wimble, a little startup that is offering to provide on-call care that was able to help her out, but her care team has been refusing to assist her because they're afraid of cockroaches. So we talk about what it's like to be abused by your care system, what happens to a disabled person when the care system fails, what it feels like for her emotionally to be put in that position, and what she would say to non-disabled people who 
are running these care systems and what she would say to disabled folks who may also be living through this kind of neglect and abuse. This is a really important episode. We don't often hear about care systems. We don't often talk about care systems and abuse. And so I wanted to bring this to the forefront on Disability After Dark today and shine a big bright light on the abuse within care systems. And I want to thank Kristen for her vulnerability and her honesty and sharing her story. It's not easy to talk about this stuff, but it's something I think we all need to hear. So without further ado, we ask the question, what do you do when the care system fails? Right here on Disability After Dark with my friend, Kristen Williams. Hi, Kristen! Hi! How are you? Good, how are you? Good, we just spent a, a weekend together in Ottawa. That was really fun. And why did I make it sound like we're having an affair? Did you hear that? Like, <laughs> a rendezvous. Yeah. We had a rendezvous in Ottawa. Yeah, we were on the moon. It was so <laughs> nice to see you. And we watched a really dumb movie. If you, if any of you listening are, are going to go see Poor Things, don't do it. The Ableism Don't do like, it. You'll be really yeah. cringed out. Totally. Yeah. Like there's I have no more cringe left. Yeah, it was really bad. There's gonna be a larger podcast we're gonna do about it when we can watch it. There's gonna be a popcorn and power chairs we're gonna do about it because it was I have feelings. Yeah. Lots of feelings. Yeah. For anybody wondering, it's Emma Stone playing disability. Yeah, she's creeping up hard strange... pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Many feelings. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but so that was fun. It was fun to see you and thank goodness for there's a there's a company in Ottawa called Wimble that is a startup there, and I was lucky enough to be able to do some some work with them and then get to know them a little bit and do some care with them to be able to come and stay for the weekend. So it was really great to to do that. Yeah, they do on call care and they're they're doing really well, I think, and they're offering a lot of services that otherwise are not provided. So yeah, five stars to them. Wimble they're really care. they're really fucking great because like without care. I couldn't travel and it was really nice to be able to get on the train by myself this past weekend and just go and know that there was care there. It was pretty awesome. So yeah. 10 stars to you, Wimble. And I'm going to introduce you to the to the founder of Wimble. Eventually, we're going to do a podcast and you can learn more about them, but they're great. Uh, but we're here to talk about something a little bit less great today. Um, and I wanted to bring you on, Kristen, today because you have been neglected by your care staff in the last few months i would say well i would say the last few years frankly but mm. your your experience of care uh hasn't been great for the last little while and I, I feel i felt the need to and the desire to bring you on the show because a you're my friend and b i care about you and i wanted you to tell the disability after dark audience kind of what what, what yeah, what's what's happened and what the neglect's been like and why that's mm -hmm. why it's why I think it's important we talk about it is because the whole tagline of the show is talking about things we leave in the dark around disability. And this is one thing that I think people don't understand the complexity of being neglected when you need care. And I think that you're in a position to share that with the audience. Now some of you are listening are like, isn't this the therapist that Andrew talks about on the show all the time yeah it is we're also friends so deal with it deal with it uh everyone knows it's not a secret we're friends we're friends yeah. uh so 
yeah, so we're going to talk about this stuff now, and I just want you to share the story. Okay, so I would say that it really came to a head in the last month or so. Um, the long and the short of it is I have cockroaches in my apartment. Yeah. Gross, very gross. To anyone that also has cockroaches, shout out to you. They're disgusting. Um, <laughs> they're relatively manageable, though, in my opinion. Um, and I have been trying for over a year to manage them, to keep my, my space as clean as possible. However... I'm severely disabled. Uh, so when I say manage them, pardon? It's severely disabled again. I think we all need to hear that because it's important. I'm severely disabled. Me too. Just, hey, severely disabled friends. Yeah. <laughs> if you're severely disabled, I hope you get a severely disabled friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so in all my severe disability, um, uh, keeping my apartment clean has been a struggle and um, I have home care to help me uh, apparently it's supposedly with activities of daily living um, and and with personal care so what that means is someone comes in <coughs> at morning and at night to help me with getting up showering doing personal care going to bed um, yeah, you, live in, you live in what's known as supportive housing living. yeah and so what living. that means is they're there on call 24 hours if you need somebody you call a number and they come to you and you are assigned like i get five hours a day you get like two an hour and a half to two right yeah i get you're supposed to have a minimum of two um to even live here they give me about an hour and a half every day so they wait yeah, wait that's... that, that yep. i don't oh so you're so as the starting point. It is not, not great. Even fulfilling their agreement minimum. Wow, yeah. wow. And like so you, there's that. You sign an agree when you live. For those who don't understand, when you live in supportive housing, you sign an agreement that says, "Here's the care I require. Here's what I agree to. Here's what I am expecting to be fulfilled." And yeah, uh, that's not happening for you, is it, Kristen? No, it is not. Uh, despite my best efforts to get more care and more help, um, I am rebuffed every single time. Uh, so the, so the um, fast forward to the point of this story. Yeah. Go ahead. They're refusing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's just like the beginning, right? That's how we're starting off is they already don't give me enough care. When the cockroaches showed up, um, they had continued to provide me care as well as other people with disabilities <clears throat> in the building um, because people need care despite having cockroaches and they are in my building now. So it's not a me problem, it's a building problem. And the attendants were providing care for over a year um, with these cockroaches. And then in the past month, I would say three weeks more specifically, um, they said that they can no longer provide me care because the attendants are uncomfortable stepping foot in my apartment due to the cockroaches. Um, there was a lot of back and forth around this. Go ahead. Uh, let's, let's, let me just interject here. How silly is that? How silly mm -hmm. is... I don't want to enter your apartment because of a bug. What? I thought I was reading it wrong. I thought I was reading the email communication wrong around this because um, these cockroaches are not new. They're not 
they're not particularly bad. They like it's a maintained problem, right? Like it's not worsening. It's also not really getting that much better. Cockroaches are very stubborn and hard to kill. They're like known for their resiliency. Um. So when I read the email that they just we watched the the other day. You and I remember we watched that video where the guy that put the cockroach in the microwave went to try to kill it and it lived. It was gross. Remember? Oh, they they live in the microwave. They they survive through the microwave. It's disgusting. They don't radiation does not kill them. Yeah, that's good. I don't. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, they're resilient and um, they even like spin around in the microwave. They get really dizzy from the radiation, but they don't. <laughs> they don't die. You? <laughs> yeah, it's not all this day. The cockroaches are not your fault. They're just there. Yeah, and I really, really have been doing what I can to make sure the problem is minimized. That means like making sure that food is put away properly, making sure that I'm not leaving out things that the cockroaches might be attracted to, cleaning up spills, stuff like that. So I've been doing all that because I'm pretty used to this problem now. And uh, three weeks ago, I got an email saying that they could no longer, uh, all the attendants that are no longer comfortable or uncomfortable providing my care um, were no longer, no longer obligated to do so. What that meant was that once one person said, hey, I'm uncomfortable going into Kristen's apartment because the cockroaches. Um, a lot of other people followed suit and soon what happened was I had only five attendants total providing me any care. Two of those attendants were, only two of those attendants were full-time staff. So this really left me in a bad spot. Because um, as you know, with these organizations, usually the part-time staff don't work very often. Yeah. Part-time is really part-time. They're often not given enough hours and the full-time are given majority of the hours obviously so when I only had two full-time staff even willing to provide me care I was in a bind um I recommended to BHA that's the organization who I guess I'm saying now their name um I asked hi, them BHA, hope staff... you suck hi <laughs> hi hi I asked the management to have her staff where PPE if they're really that afraid because regardless um, I need care like my need for care doesn't stop because I have cockroaches and also we just lived through a pandemic where staff were able to come in wearing PPE and and, and also for know, the first like a year yeah. of the pandemic you know, I remember you and I had conversations about, about this off air where they like would not come into your they would come into your apartment without wearing a mask and they were like oh it's fine where you're working on fear, not facts, and you were like, uh, what? Where are that? Oh, yeah, that is what they said. Yeah, it was during the first few months of the pandemic, they told me that I was operating from fear and not facts, so, and like, then things got okay? really bad. And yeah, how is yeah. it okay that like they can come in there, they can be afraid of a bug, but you can't be afraid of contracting COVID when they don't wear a mask? Yeah, it, it anyone? doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyone? Eventually, they do wear masks now, for the record, but. Um, yeah, because the logic, the people. logic there is pretty flawed. What? Because people forced their hand and like yelled at them and made them do it. Yeah, yeah. So again, like this is an ongoing struggle of clients fighting, fighting for their own safety, um, which like ideally would never happen. We're the vulnerable population here. So yeah, if people could care about our safety instead of us having to exhaust ourselves. Fighting for it, that would be great. Lovely. I think I, that the part of it that made me most upset, because I live in, a, in pretty much an identical kind of care situation, 
the part that made me upset for you was when you called me one day and said, Andrew, they called me and said I can't get out of bed today. I'm in bed. It's 9.30. And you get up pretty early. So you were like, I'm in bed. And it's 9.30. And they're not coming to me. What do I do? And like you Yeah, were that happened four times. four times in the last like three weeks, right? Yes, and um, uh, three of them were all in three days in a row, and it was a week before Christmas. So um, I was trying to finish up with work and school, and I wasn't able to get out of bed. So I, so there was um, some consequences to that uh, as far as work goes and school goes. Um, and... Also, what ended you're up, a person. yeah, You don't have to be in bed all day, period. Like, it's not. yeah. Eventually, the fourth time it happened, um, can't even believe I'm saying that, but the fourth time it happened, I was pretty uh, adamant about this being a neglect. And the manager wrote me back and said, we can get you up at 4 p.m. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I remember that. for anyone that has anything to do during the day, or even if you don't, Yeah. 4 p.m. is not... not acceptable Like just as the a idea time to get of up. your body and you have trouble you like you're pretty mo you're more mobile than I am, but you're having as you get older, like your muscles are getting it's harder to move and I and we've talked about Mm that. And so like knowing that it's a bit harder for you to move around, the idea of you being stuck in bed, unable to turn, unable to like, you know, should something happen. And I remember emailing them on your behalf saying, What if she aspirates? What if she has an accident what if she what if something happens and they What if they wrote fall? back Yeah. to you and said we're not 911 Yeah, they told me to get Lifeline or call 911 if that happens. Um, and that's even not though okay they are in this building for the purposes of being an on-call service, like you're supposed to be able to call them as needed. And, and you know, it just, that part of it, then not being able to get me up in the morning, as well as the, like, if you have an emergency, we don't care Yeah, part it's of it is a problem because... uh, I live here for the 24-hour care. I live here because I'm severely disabled. If you're telling me that I no longer have access to that, that's not only um, unfair, it's unsafe, and it is a human rights issue. So, um, it's neglect, it's abuse, yeah. it's it's Yeah. wrong, it's wrong on all levels, and I think the systems that I'm in. Ontario and all over all over North America around care are so vastly broken, not just he not just where we are, but in the states, it's just they're just it's so broken and so we we're supposed to be grateful for any kind of care that we receive, and that would be great if you were actually receiving care. you would be grateful, but you're not receiving any kind of care. you're being told that care doesn't matter and that They're constantly sloughing you off. And I think one of the only ways that we were able to protect you, I, I helped you start a fundraiser to get some money to get Wimbledon and to get other companies in to assist you. But nobody should have to fundraise to get out of bed. Like that's really, it's really wrong that that's even what we're doing. Yeah, it's pretty absurd, isn't it? It's pretty absurd. Like absurd. It's like terrifying. And I, I would love to, kind of go into the emotions of that for you because I think the people who don't receive care and don't provide care don't understand the kind of like emotional component of what you're of what you're living through so if you could share with us Chris and I know it's not easy but if you could share with us like how that makes you feel when you know you can't get out of bed like what are the how did it make you like I remember when you called me upset but what were the 
emotions that you were going through? It's a roller coaster. So, um, you know, there's a big part of me that is always wanting to fight for my basic rights. Shocking, I know. Um, and that part of me was lit on fire. But when you don't have access to getting out of bed, it's really hard to fight for anything. Um, so that was pretty terrifying in its own right. And I think I just realized all at once how extremely vulnerable I actually am and how like the management did not care about my well-being and and how like in order for the situation to change I would need to access services that I couldn't currently access because I was in bed right like having getting other care um finding a lawyer doing things that might be in my best interest at the time are not possible if you can't get out of bed and, and live your life. So that was like extremely scary to me. It was extremely upsetting. I felt very helpless. Um, I was re relying quite a lot on my friends, one of them who is you, to like support me emotionally, but also um, like watching all my friends kind of be like, how could this happen? How is this allowed to happen? Uh, and I don't have an answer for that still. I don't know how it's allowed to happen. I don't um, know if there'll be any repercussions for VHA. I think it's just another thing that they are hoping to not have consequences for. And um, my fear currently is when will it happen again, right? If this whole thing is contingent on a certain number of cockroaches not being in my apartment, a thing that I don't really have control over, um, then when will it happen again? When will someone say, you know what? I saw a cockroach today. I don't want to go in there anymore. Or, I don't know. I'm in school. Say, I'm I'm working and this could happen at any time. So I have to reschedule my whole life every time it happens. I can't do anything except call my friends and be upset in front of them. Like it's very inducing of helplessness. So yeah, it's not yeah. right. I think, I think people don't understand like, you can't if you can't get out of bed, there goes your whole day, your whole life. And also like if you got a bed sore because they refuse to come and check on you, there goes like there goes your health, there goes your safety, there goes yeah. your uh, the little bit of autonomy you have left. Mm -hmm. I just time. also want to put it out there that the care that I'm talking about are basic needs care. So the attendants help me with personal care, which means getting showered getting dressed, put, like putting on clean clothes, being clean, having hygiene, um, eating food. So <laughs> eating like, food, eating food yeah, basic, yeah, needs. basic needs. These are not like LOL maybe needs. These are like, oh, I'm disabled enough to need help with basic stuff. This is what we're calling severely disabled. Like these are not optional needs. No, this these is not like needs. playtime needs. This is not like oh, yeah. I, I want you to give me a glass of water and then never come back again this is like i need you for i would like that though give me a glass of water and then never come back and then again. get out yeah yeah <laughs> i think all of us who receive care would be like thanks that's great care goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, yeah 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 but like the stress of no and then also the way that the staff were treating you like i know that you've told me that when they would come in they would act if they would come in they would act passive aggressive towards you they would act really rude towards you I remember mm -hmm. one point before the cockroaches got really bad that you 
this is another incident where you dropped your computer on the floor with me on the Zoom. And we were watching a dumb movie because we were nerds. We were watching like some horror film, whatever, on a Saturday. And so we're watching mm-hmm. the movie together and you dropped a computer and you spilled your Coke on the floor. And so you said, oh, let me just call the attendant. I'll get them to pick it up. And you called them and said, I need somebody to to come. I've dropped my computer. Can you please come? And you were on the phone with me and I was on the Zoom and I watched them go, well, we can't be there for a couple of hours. And you were like, well, except that I dropped my computer on the floor and there's Coke spilling everywhere. Uh, and you come clean it, and she still said, no, we can't be there for a few hours. And then you call back, kind of with me on the Zoom, kind of encouraging you to call back. And she says to you, no, we can't be there. And then 10 minutes later, she showed up. Yeah, she wouldn't give me a time that she was going to be there. I kept asking for a time, and she kept saying, I don't know, I don't know. And I was like, okay, well, I need this to happen. There's Coke spilling on my laptop. It's a problem. I thought that I was just needing to be more clear. So I kept clarifying. I don't want the Coke to go into my laptop and for my laptop to short circuit. Definitely over explaining the situation for what I thought was her benefit. And then she wouldn't tell me when she's going to show up. Uh, and then five minutes later, she showed up and told me that um, she, she, she became very rude to me very quickly. And all I wanted her to do was mop my floor. Um she said, literally, what am I here for? What do you want? You were like, uh, you know what I want. You're here. Literally. Yeah, I had said it to her like four times on the phone, and she acted very upset. Like, what do you need? What do you want? Why am I here? So, um, And she tried to dry mop the Coke. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so please put some water on that. That's the kind of care that you're getting on a good day. That's the kind of care when mm-hmm. you're getting when it's when it's good. So care. When it exists, yeah. Yeah, like care the care with this company hi vha hope you're listening isn't isn't really good um Mm-mm. and it's shameful that you're left in a situation where you have to fundraise to get out of bed it breaks my heart as somebody who is in the same position as you um and in, in the same like my care is good right now but it could turn on a dime um i've talked about abuse on the show before that i've gone through it's really scary to think that we have to be so lucky to get the basic happy care needs now. Like that's really, it's really so scary that this is where we are. I also can't underscore enough that like the government funds these organizations so that they can be in our buildings. Yeah, We live here because of our level of need. They can be in our buildings. They can be on call. They can adjust our, in theory, they can adjust our care to meet our needs as they change over time. So the idea then they that they don't uh, are, or are not willing to be there as our needs change or as we continue to need care goes against the basic reason that they exist, right? Like so, it is scary to think that they are treating their own um, care, their own service as an option to me yeah, not an option. Not an option. they're a need it's a necessity like they 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 came to you a couple weeks not even a, a few days ago they emailed you and said because you said it's neglect i want to know what the fuck is happening it's neglect they said mm-hmm. to you well we're at a loss of what to do and we don't know how we're going to provide care to you this is what they said to you and i, I yes. remember you forwarding me that email and i just was like flabbergasted on the floor so I was like, fuck it, we're starting a fundraiser and we're going and like we've raised a little bit of money for you. But yeah, that it it is so 
unconscionable that we have to raise money for you to get out of bed or for anyone to get out of bed because the care system that is funded by the government says no. And the problem yeah. with, with the problem with government funded care is I have so many problems with, with government stuff, but a big problem mm-hmm. I see is that they don't understand the intricacies of care. The people that are giving money to these companies should come live there for a week and have mm-hmm. them give them a shower and have them give them care to see what it is we're talking about. They throw mm-hmm. money at a problem and think they're and think they're fixing it. They have no idea the cracks in the system. No, they don't. They don't. Um, and I'm still unclear about how this is allowed to happen. Um, there are buildings all over the place that have cockroaches, and lots of those people in those buildings still get care. So um, this still, at this point in time, doesn't make sense to me, um, which is a problem. I needed to make sense so I could figure out what to do. Um, but like you're saying, we did you raised a bit of money for me and i'm really grateful for that um it does take some of the the scariness away right like there is a a lovely service who offers care called wimble who we were talking about earlier they do on-call care um and i they have been literally saving my ass in the last little while since this started happening um so I'm really grateful for that. I, I, again, don't think that should have to happen because, no. yeah, Wimble is meant to be used for spontaneity, right? Like, like oh, I'm doing this stuff. thing that I didn't expect. I want to go to a concert and I need somebody. I want to go to I like go to a... movies and I don't want to spill my popcorn everywhere. We did that the other day. Like us, when we went to the movies the other day. We went to yeah. the movies the other day. There was three of us, all those wheelchairs. You should have seen us trying to hold. Kristen was the only one with like any kind of dexterity. So That's she, hilarious. Yeah. She was holding like three bags of popcorn and trying to feed two of us. It was, it was, there was a whole, it was a, it, it was a disaster. I regret nothing. But anyway, like, yeah, it, Wimble should be used for stuff like that and not for my care agency that the government is funding is full force neglecting me and not not sorry about it like when i received the email from management that they were at a loss for how to support me all i felt was baffled like what what do you mean how do you need to support me what you need to do is find a way to give me care if it is true that my apartment is that infested which again the cockroaches didn't actually worsen right they've had this they've had the same it's been the same problem for quite a long time now um so if if that's the case, then why don't they send staff that are wearing PPE to my call? Yeah. Why don't they find a way to make staff more comfortable? Why don't they inform their staff about what the risks of cockroaches actually are? Because some staff seem to think that cockroaches could crawl up your leg and come home with you, which I guess in in some weird alternate reality might actually happen. But like, no, cockroaches just run away. They're like, ah, don't kill me. And they run away from me. Like they're not <laughs> what are they like? up your clothes. They're not bed bugs. Um, so I don't know why either of those things were done. Um, but it felt really like like fighting for a right that you were just not being heard at all. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't, there was no recognition of what I was suggesting. There was um they told me that even if the staff wore PPE, 
it would not alleviate their fears. And like, I can't really do anything about staff's fears. Uh, I also can't really do anything to... You can't really do anything yeah. without care, period. Yeah. No. Like, it will get worse if I don't have care. That's a guarantee. So, yeah, yeah it's a little bit of a chicken before the egg problem. And if you could speak directly to VHA <laughs> right now, uh, freely, without, you know, fear of repercussions from them, what would you say? Um, well, I am afraid of repercussions from them, uh, but... I think I would ask them what they're doing to improve client rights because I am not the only person in this building that struggles with having basic needs met. Um, I don't know for sure that they've neglected other people in the same way, but I would like to know what's being done to care for and understand client needs because right now all I'm seeing is um, management who's willing to throw client needs under the bus, right? Like that's a major problem. Yeah. And I would I would like for there to be some oversight to VHA. Like it, I've, I've made reports. Um, I'm, I've tried to negotiate that process and, and get it started, but I'm not sure about what oversight is actually happening with their agency. And I would like for them to have some oversight. I would like for them to have some sort of structured plan where they have to treat their clients with more respect and uh you know at a very base level not neglect their clients as soon as a building infestation happens and i'm not talking about bed bugs but that too there are agencies that will go in and do care even if bed bugs are happening and they have ways to protect themselves so i would like to know what vha is doing to not have this happen again or to other people because it's just so unacceptable. It's uncomfortable yeah. and it's unfair and it's not right. And they're getting paid. They're getting paid to not do my care. Yeah. yeah. Hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as an organization to not provide you service. What the fuck mm -hmm. is that? Yep. You know, yep. I, back where I used to live before I moved into this building where I am right now, I... We every September we would have a ladybug infestation. Ladybugs would come in from out of the cold and want to get warm. And oh, were they the bitey ones? Yeah, they were. No, they weren't. Oh, they were like, oh my god, get away! But they one time oh. there was a there was so many cockroaches in my bedroom. There's like a fucking mm -hmm. terrarium in there, and so the care staff Wait, ladybugs, ladybugs. Yeah, yeah, ladybugs. Sorry, there were late. There were so many ladybugs in my apartment. It was a terrarium mm -hmm. there. And, like, the attendants still came in and still provided me care as cockroaches were flying around. No, as ladybugs were flying around the whole place. Um, <laughs> Ladybug party. And so, I don't Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, but I don't understand why, like, you know, if that can happen for me, why isn't it happening for you? Um, Did your staff wear PPE in that situation? At that point, they didn't need to because we didn't know what PPE was, really, because, you know. No pandemic at that point, but oh, interesting. Okay, they didn't. Uh, but they still came providing me care. So it it upsets me to hear that for something as simple as a cockroach infestation, which is not your fault. And I think another thing to highlight is that this care agency treats you like you're the problem. Yeah, they really do. That's not new though. Mm -hmm. 
and that shouldn't be happening like that it just makes me really upset that this is where they're choosing to take it um and the fact that you even have to look at a human rights application to make it stop it just i think the emotional the emotional weight of that like how can you get up and have a good day knowing that you're in a that you live in a situation where this has to happen oh some days i'm mad the whole day Sometimes I'm in a shower, I'm in the shower, I'm actually getting care that day, and I'm still mad about what happened yesterday, or why I didn't get care the other day, or what am I going to do next? Like, it does create this mindset where you're thinking, like, what will my next move be? How will I make sure that I get my needs met? Am I going to be able to make it back to school? Am I going to be able to, you know, see my clients today? How is this going to affect my day? Am I even able to plan a day knowing that this could go downhill any moment and I might not care anymore. I mean, so it really does mess with your head. Boy, and we're going to have a date in here and I can't, can I What do if that? I want to have a date? Yeah. What, yeah. what if I do? What if I want to have a date? <laughs> what, if, what if I want to have sex in my <laughs> So apartment? what? Yeah. What if I want to? <laughs> yeah, like what if you want to? Like I, I think people don't understand like the anger that comes from abuse like this it lives in your body for a long time and it takes a long time for that stuff to dissipate i can still tell you exactly how i felt five years ago when i was abused by my care staff I, it, it's, it's i can oh yeah it's, it puts you on high alert um it makes you you're you're playing out all the scenarios right if they say this i have to say that if they say this i have to say that at what point do i need to hire a lawyer at what point do i need to file a human rights complaint when do i do all this stuff and how do i do it as one girl like I'm one girl in a wheelchair chilling. You're How am I supposed to? You're a wheelchair. What? You're a wheelchair. I'm a wheelchair girl. <laughs> like I already have a lot of other stuff to deal with. Um, and I, uh, how much energy can I realistically put into this? And how much support can I access? Because like a lot of the reason that disabled people are mistreated and abused is because we don't always have access to support. Um, like you know, I'm relatively relatively lucky to have <laughs> friends um <laughs> I sound like that that meme I have friends I definitely have friends no you do friendly friend friends friendly it's friend, whole friend. Thing. I didn't I never you don't know what I'm talking about I'm not that cool but sure okay I don't know if it's coolness um <laughs> yeah like <laughs> I'm lucky to have friends and um for some disabled people we just don't have those support networks and i and think also scary. when you when you look for support like <coughs> you call up support resources and start asking for help they go oh we don't know what to do go to this person or go to this yeah. person or try this person so you're spending weeks on the phone with different people who don't understand the gravity of the situation and they're just like try this person goodbye and it's like well what are i supposed to do yeah i made two reports to the care action line hoping that they would they would intervene. I I still haven't heard back and that was two weeks ago. Um with a week in between. So I'm I'm I need to follow up with them. But they did tell me on two separate occasions that they would follow up with me. And the fact that they haven't is also a little concerning. I think it speaks to what you were saying earlier about the system being broken. Like they're the oversight. They're one of the overseers that's supposed to sort of be a watchdog. Um, for an organization like, like they put these things on paper to make themselves look good 
and then mm. they don't do anything about it. This is what I feel about disability support programs. They mm. make programs, they put them on paper, they make them sound really great, they take a bunch of weird stock photos of disabled people smiling and laughing and having lunch, and then when <laughs> it comes to like... Except I'm- for me, I don't get lunch because nobody should have... <laughs> Okay, continue. Sorry. Oh, funny. But like, they take all these stock photos of disabled people laughing and smiling and having, <laughs> laughing and smiling and having lunch, and then or eating it, air. <laughs> when it comes down to it, like you don't get to, you don't get to get out of bed. Like I, I wish that the, the, I wish that the way it was presented was actually how it was because it's not. I think people don't want to look at it because a lot of people similarly to me are like, I didn't know this could happen. How could this happen? We just went through a pandemic where people were nurses, PSWs were uncomfortable, but they they still worked, right? So yeah. how could how could a few cockroaches cause this? It just doesn't add up. Why are we letting severely disabled people like you and me fall into the cracks? and be forced to spend their whole day advocating. And then we wonder why disabled people are angry all the time, because they spend eight hours on the phone getting nowhere with an agency that doesn't give a shit that they exist. It is exhausting. Like, it's exhausting. I am exhausted. I'm glad for this podcast, but I'm ex- this is exhausting. I just want some breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, Can I maybe have a shower, please? Like, thank you. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's really hard to talk about. It. It's really hard to put this front and center. Um, if you could wave a magic wand, and mm-hmm. you could make care look like how you want it to look, how would what would it look like for you? Um, Wimble dot ca. Also, I'm serious. Uh, Wimble is really good about respecting client-directed care. So all of these agencies say that they're client-directed, right? Meaning that you say what you need, you clarify what you need, that gets made into a care plan. And then um, even with that care plan in mind, you can change what you need or want during the time that it's your designated care call. Um, Whether or not that actually happens in real life is a whole other thing. So one thing that I would really want is for care to be client directed um when i tell you overseen too like you would talk about oversight why the fuck aren't there disabled clients on boards to be like this is a problem yeah that's a that's a good question i think that there there does need to be disabled voices in the higher places to say what is is and is not okay and what is and is not a good policy Right. Like if VHA actually has a policy saying that they have to respect staff comfort over client safety, why? Like, and I'm asking that because that's how they're acting. Why does a policy like that, if it exists, why, why is it allowed to exist? Why is there no disabled person being like, you actually can't do that to a disabled person because they are at a higher level of vulnerability. Um, This can't be a policy. Right? Like there needs to can't be... be okay. And why are we allowing this? And why are we putting able-bodied fears over disabled people's needs? Yeah. And also, what are you afraid of? I don't really get that part. 
Well, yeah. cockroach is going to run into the wall. Like, it's not going to run up your pants. It's going to run does, into the wall. You're like, get rid of it. If it does, you like, get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I would like more client direction. I would like um, more ability to participate collaboratively in care plans. Right now, that's not a thing. Here, whenever they update my care plan, they just update it with whatever they like, and then they send me a copy and ask me to sign it. Oh yeah, that's good. So it's not they collaborative. You, they want you to like to sign <laughs> any input in how to how to make it better, what it what actually affects your day, what yeah. you want. Like the trouble with yes. a lot of these care programs is they warehouse us. So yes, we have independence, but we're warehoused. Yeah, it's the, they run off the governance model, right? Where they are running the show and we are the Helpless civilian peasants. Um, yep. I mean, I'm a queen. I don't know what you're talking about. So. Okay. Well, you're also you're queen of the helpless civilian peasants. So. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, that okay. All right. Um, I just want to be a queen. Uh, so, what would you tell non-disabled people listening who maybe don't? I'm sure now they have a better picture, but what would you tell them? Because a lot of people don't understand what these things are. And I think you've really illuminated for us today what it is like a little bit. What would you what would you say to people that want to understand more? Okay, so the first thing I want to say is I want to be clear that this is not about not caring for staff rights. It's not about not considering staff comfort. This entire year, I've been going through fumigations, trying to keep my apartment clean to make sure that staff are comfortable when they're here. Um, cockroach infestations are not fun. Uh, so I, it's not that I don't consider their comfort important at all. It's that I am concerned for my safety when no one at least shows up to check on me, right? So I wanna be clear that I care about both. Um, it is unfortunate that the management seems to put one not seems to, does put one a lot higher than the other, meaning that they clearly value staff comfort more than my safety in this situation. Um, and that is deeply upsetting, concerning, and something that I hope that able-bodied people can see the problem with, right? Like this, this problem feels specific to me because it's happening to me, but I don't think it's just me. Um, I think that when things like this are allowed to happen, to one person, there's a new precedent where they then can happen in other places with other. VHA has, I think, seven, six or seven buildings in Ottawa. So how many of those buildings is this happening in? It can't just be me. Uh, and that should be a concern to people. Disabled people are already vulnerable uh, just by way of their physical limitations. Now you're making them emotionally vulnerable. You're probably giving them some symptoms of PTSD. You're not allowing for them to be integrated in any way if they can't get out of bed. You're trapping um, them. This is not what quality of life looks like. They're, what, what did you say? You're, you're being trapped in your house. Yes. So I would encourage uh, able-bodied people to really look at that and why, why they think it happens and also wonder, like, what could I do? to help with this. Um, I think it would be really helpful to write to your MPP or talk to um, 
anyone you know that has disability about their care. Because a lot of disabled people hide, oh, maybe I'll just speak specifically for me. A lot of disabled people hide, what, I just did it again. I hide uh, aspects of my care from people until they're a certain level of close to me. Because like a lot of able-bodied people don't understand that level of daily vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and I would like for maybe able-bodied people to be more curious about the disabled people in their lives and more curious about if they have care, what that looks like, how can they help, what do they need? Because we don't get asked that question enough. There's an assumption that because we're disabled, there's programs in place that live to ex live to assist us. And I would love for able-bodied people to ask the question, what happens when those systems fail? Do uh, Most of us don't just roll over and die. Although like if we're left long enough, we might. So, uh, <laughs> right, wow, like wow, wow. Uh, most of us don't want to roll over and die. Um, so having an able-bodied friend check in and do their own research and wonder about like people they know that live in similar situations could really change a person's life. I would yeah. also ask the question, what are you going to do when you need that care? Yeah. What are you going to do when it's you? On the Old age is coming for all of us. Old age and disability are coming for all of us. What are you going to do when it's your turn to be neglected? What are you, who, how are you going to stand up when they neglect you? What are you going to want when it's your turn? I would say the same thing to the officials at VHA and these care providers who are in, mm -hmm. who are in the management positions who are so disconnected from their clients, they don't care that this is happening. What are you going to want when it's your turn? What are you going to yeah. want when somebody tells you they can't clean you up because you had an accident because they can't be there in three hours? What are you, how are you going to feel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, fixing, addressing this now addresses it for the future. For yeah. sure. Yeah. The future is disabled. Um, <laughs> so, it really is. The population is aging. The future is disabled. The future, <laughs> the future is also severely disabled, I think. Um, hey, <laughs> severely disabled peeps, what up? The future is severely disabled. We just got a head start. That should be a shirt. Um, the head start I didn't ask for. <laughs> uh, what do you want to tell other disabled folks who are in your situation, who are dealing with what you're dealing with? Oh, boy. Um, I'm sorry this is happening to you. It's not right. It's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of when people are given power and they don't know how to properly use it. Um, it's a reflection of ableism. It's a reflection of a society that doesn't value disabled lives. I was gonna say as much as they should, but they just don't value disabled lives. Yeah, this wouldn't be period. Yeah. Um, so I would want <coughs> anyone going through this to know that um, they're not alone with it. There are lots of people who this happens to and it is heartbreaking that it's happening. It's heartbreaking that that a lot of us feel very isolated and alone with it. Um, and I would encourage you to take care of yourself in any way you can. So for me, I am severely disabled, so control is hard to come by. But I do dumb things like make myself coffee and pet my cat right like, those are daily things you that's weird they're not dumb they're well just... they're not weird what oh oh because i called them dumb you're weird you're, you're weird okay well yes i am weird um 
but like little small things that you do have control over. Okay, if I can't get out of bed, can I go on my phone and watch a movie on my phone? If I can't get out of bed, what can I do to make myself more comfortable in bed? If I can't get out of bed, um, what is good about getting more rest today? Like just sort of clinging to the little aspects of control that we do have is really important to stay emotionally stable in in this time if you are being neglected. Having said all that, I don't expect anyone to stay emotionally stable through this. Uh, like when someone takes away your independence and, and level of control to an extent where you're in bed, you're probably going to cry a bunch. That's That's also okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think we have disabled people like you and me have severely disabled folks. And I keep using that term because I think it's important that we talk about that population. Um, severely disabled folks have such a limited scope of independence already that when even that's taken <laughs> when even that's taken away and removed from us, it's fucking traumatizing. <laughs> and it's traumatizing, it's scary. It's traumatizing. You, uh, you can't really get out of it. Like you're realizing that what's happening to you is unfair, but you're also feeling pretty trapped by it. Like it's not like, oh, I'm being abused. I'm just gonna um level up and not need care anymore. Like, no, we always need care. So that's not an option. I can't really opt out of, of BHA, right? Like I I need their care. That's why I live here. So unfortunately that means that we're reliant on agencies that have shown us that they don't care about us. And that in itself is traumatizing. That money that don't care that we're that this is happening. Governments that could yeah. care less that this is occurring. And like you and I, this is your first big kind of media push to talk about this specific issue. Um, and we've looked at like, do we want to go to the news outlets? Do we want to go to the papers? Like we thought we'd start here because. Because it's, it's easiest to talk about with you. And um, I think it's just a good place to let people know that this is happening in Canada, government funded organizations with lack of oversight and lack of, rights for the clients that it that it says that it helps so like all you americans listening right now you're always like "Ooh, canada has free health care yeah this is part of free health care yeah mm-hmm. oh so just in case you're wondering this is part of free health care right here this oh dystopia anyway it's a cryptopia um cryptopia my bad uh dystopia cryptopia it should be a song um, <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for sharing this today. I know it's not an easy conversation. Is there anything else you want to tell the people? Um, thanks for listening. Uh, if you're curious about Wimble and their life-saving services, uh, I think the website is wimble.ca. If you want to book um, with them, it's beta, B-E-T-A dot Wimble, W-H-I-M-B-L-E dot C-A. If you live in the Ottawa area or are coming to the Ottawa, Ottawa oh, area. Oh, yeah, Ottawa. They, they're Ottawa-based. They're very, they're very, very, um, they're great little startup. They're really, really receptive. They really, really try really hard to accommodate as best they can. I was just in Ottawa for three days upon recording this, and they, they took care of me for all that time, and it was it was really great. So Yeah, they're lovely. They really want to help. They want to fill in the gaps that these agencies are leaving and they want us to have some control over our own care our own lives and our own level of spontaneity and dare i say they would like for us to have like 
happy they want to have like, fun they want to have a good lives. time yeah 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 uh, it's, it's a really good organization i want to make sure that you Kristen, have enough dollars to be okay for the next little while and i want to keep that fundraiser going so if people want to donate to help you get out of bed because this is the situation the world put you in how can people send you some <laughs> bucks for that the situation the world put me in the world being PHA. Uh, so it's uh, PayPal at uh, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-155. It's my handle. You can also put it on your initial notes. or Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll make sure that it's out there. Um, but this is such an important conversation. I don't think people understand what happens when the care system breaks or even how the care system works. So thank you for being so vulnerable and bringing that forward. Um, and... It was such a pleasure to have you here, and we'll talk to you soon again, I'm sure. Yeah, it was lovely. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. Well, there goes another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with me, your host, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my social media, Andrew Gerza6 on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, although I never use it. If you want to follow my website and find out about my speaking opportunities, my gigs, and ways to have me come to your event, go to www.andrewgerza.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, and you can get the show days early, completely ad-free, and a shout-out on the air. So if you want to support the show, you're able to do that. And please, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. It really does help shows like this about disability, which are very rare, get supported. Thank you so much for being with us and stay comfy, cozy, and crippled. Until next time. Bye. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Cripple & Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2024.